This is Light On, Light Through, episode 43, Violence in Video Games, The Truth. Now, as many of you know, I have a long history of trying to explain to the critics of video games the errors of their ways. Over on LightOnLightThrough.com and also on InfiniteRegress.tv, you can see my exchange, I guess that's a good way of calling it, it wasn't really much of a debate, with Jack Thompson on CNBC from about a year ago, June 2006. And recently I wrote a blog piece about my concern about Hillary Clinton's co-sponsoring the Family Entertainment Protection Act back in 2005. Fortunately, the act did not become law because Hillary's colleagues had more sense than she did. But that act was designed to punish adults who sold video games with, according to the terms of this act, mature or adult content to minors. All of that is predicated on the notion that the video game, if it goes into the hands of a minor, and if it has violent or sexually explicit or, again, in the words of that unenacted law, mature or adult content, that that content will somehow hurt the minor, hurt the child, cause the child to become violent, or have other bad consequences. And usually people who champion those kinds of laws, like Jack Thompson, like Hillary Clinton, think that there is a real connection, a scientifically provable and demonstrated connection between playing violent video games and getting involved in violent activities in the real world. And in fact, there has been years and years of study about the connection, not only of violence in video games, but before that, violence on television, before that, violence in comic books, the connection between those kinds of media violence and violence in the real world. And I'd like to summarize for you the two kinds of studies that purport to demonstrate a connection between violence in the media and violence in the real world. And as you'll see, in fact, neither study does anything like that at all. Well, first of all, there have been many experiments which, to make it as simple as possible, divide a group of kids up into two groups, one of which plays a violent video game, the other of which plays a neutral video game. Years ago, when people were testing this regarding films and movies, uh, the group that was shown, the neutral movie might be shown something like, well, the koala bear in Australia is a very interesting animal. In contrast, the other group would be shown some kind of movie with violent content. So, you know, it's easy to come upon video games and movies and television shows with violent content. And it's easy to come upon those kinds of media presentations that don't have violent content. 
Sometimes the experiment is further refined so that you have another variable. Some groups of students are frustrated, deliberately frustrated before the experience, and others are not. This is designed to see if the impact of mediated violence is worse or stronger or more powerful for the students who have been frustrated. How would a group of students or kids be frustrated? Well, for example, you give them an exam, and a question is, who is the first American president? So if a kid answers Washington, the answer is marked wrong, and it's written in, you should have said George Washington, just as a way of frustrating that experimental subject. Anyway, unsurprisingly, groups of kids who play violent video games, who see violence on television or in the movies, are deemed, when they are measured after this experiment, to in fact have a much greater likelihood for violence. In fact, they are actually said to uh, be uh, more violent. And here's where it gets very interesting. How do the experimenters, the psychologists, the scientists, know that these kids are more violent. Well, when you look at these studies, you find that they don't examine what happens in the real world. Well, what do they do? Well, the scientists, the psychologists, very often give the subjects what's called a violence profile exam. And how does that work? Well, in a violence profile exam, you're given a series of questions. You know, you're walking down the hall, someone bumps into you. Do you, A, continue walking and say nothing? Do you, B, say, excuse me? Do you, C, haul off and punch the person who bumped into you? And, of course, if your answer is C, you're deemed to have a higher propensity for violence. Other times you have psychologists who talk to the various subjects in the experiment and according to whatever measurements they have, they conclude that the students or kids who were given the violent video games to play also have a higher propensity, are more likely to get involved in violence. Now that seems to prove that there is a connection between violence in video games and violence in the real world, but in fact it proves nothing because you're not examining violence in the real world. If you or anyone scores high on a violence profile exam, all you're doing is you're indicating a violent response in another medium, in this case, the medium of the exam. And it's a far cry from actually going out and punching someone on the one hand There's a huge amount of distance between that and just saying that that's what you would do when you take an exam. So in fact, when you examine these various kinds of studies, you find that what is the case is people who play violent video games, children, young adults, might have uh, a tendency to score higher on violence profile exams or be judged to be likely to be violent by psychologists, but in fact, there is no evidence at all that this violence actually then occurs in the real world. 
Well, okay, there's also another series of experiments. Actually, they're uh, surveys. Uh, that's the technical name for them, not experiments. But they are scientifically conducted studies. And the way these things work, our parents are asked to keep track of how many violent episodes their children get involved in. How many fights, how many screaming and yelling arguments, how many times, you know, does Johnny come home with a black eye? How many times did Mary come home and say somebody was pulling her hair or she was pulling someone else's hair? And parents keep track of that. That's one thing. And then they also keep track of how many times their children play violent video games. And again, uh, before there were video games that were the target of these kinds of studies, they were done for television viewing. So uh, parents would keep track of what television shows their kids were watching. Those shows were evaluated for how many violent incidents took place in the television show. And then the idea would be that the study would see if there was a correlation between the violence reported in the real lives of these kids and the violence in the video games or the television shows that the kids were watching. And yes, guess what? There is almost always a high, strong correlation between these two factors. But what does that correlation mean? Does it mean that, in fact, playing violent video games caused the violence in the real world? Well, if you just use common sense, and people who understand statistics and work with statistics know this, there's a very big difference between correlation and causation. Because, yes, correlation shows that the two variables or the two factors, violence in the real world and violence in video games, may go hand in hand. But that does not show at all that violence played in video games caused violence to occur in the real world. And there's almost a mantra, which is true, that is always said when people use these kinds of correlational studies, which is correlation is not the same as causation. A and B occurring together, playing of violent video games and violence in the real world, does not mean that A caused B. Well, what then could be the reason that these two effects come coupled together? Well, it could be that B causes A. What does that mean? In this case, it could be that kids who get involved in violence in the real world are more likely to enjoy playing violent video games than video games without violence, or more likely to play violent video games than going for a walk in the park. Or it could be that there is a third factor, a third variable, C, that leads to both A and B. For example, maybe a problem in family life can lead to 
a child of any age having a greater propensity and a greater affinity for violence, which is expressed both in choice of violent video games and in violence in the real world. But the key is whether or not someone who enjoys violent video games is more likely to, as a result of that enjoyment and experience with violent video games, the key is whether that is likely to cause violent episodes or other problems in the real world. And on that score, there is no evidence whatsoever. So as someone who has studied media, I'm in favor of continuing these studies. Knowledge is always good. But to our elected representatives, to Senator Hillary Clinton, and she was not the only one by any means, Senator Joseph Lieberman, Senator Evan Bayh, Senator Johnson, also co-sponsored that bill the Family Educational Protection Act. But I would say to those senators and everyone else in public office, don't sponsor a bill on the basis of bogus or misunderstood evidence. This isn't even getting into the problem of the bill being unconstitutional because it violates the First Amendment. But just on the basis of the psychological evidence, anyone who sponsors a bill is really doing a disservice to the American people. So let me conclude this part of Light On, Light Through by just saying knowledge, study. It's a wonderful thing. And one of the things that makes our civilization as wonderful as it is, is that we do apply rationality. We do look at our studies. We do try to perfect our experiments, our surveys, our scientific kinds of research to get better answers. And that's what's needed to be done here. Now, I suspect that there will never be a cause and effect relationship that can be demonstrated between the playing of violent video games and getting involved in violence in the real world. That's because I think there is no cause and effect. But sure, let's have further investigation, and until then, let's concentrate on solving social problems where we are sure of our knowledge and where we're not relying on misunderstood statistics. The Light on Light Through podcast is proud to be part of the Blueberry Network. That's blueberry with no ease dot com. And now a word from our new sponsor, Go to My PC. Communication theorists know that there are two kinds of information that we need to thrive in this world. One kind of information comes from the mass media, newspapers, radio, television. The other is information that we ourselves may create or write. Now, you can get the information on radio and television and the Internet just about anywhere. So what do you do when you have some very valuable information that's on your home computer and you're out there traveling somewhere, maybe across town, across the country? 
Use GoToMyPC and you'll discover the power and freedom of the web. Try it free right now for 30 days with unlimited access. For this special offer, just visit GoToMyPC.com forward slash podcast. That's GoToMyPC.com forward slash podcast. You're listening to a Runaway Network podcast from RunawayNetwork.com. Yes, indeed, and the LightOnLightThrough.com podcast is now proud to be part of two networks, the Blueberry Network, which is sweet, and the Runaway Network, which is very edgy. And in fact, you'll find a lot of sweet and edgy stuff in the LightOnLightThrough.com podcast. Hey, and this brings us to our flashes section. First, NBC and iTunes are splitting. Oh, boy. You know, I'm not too broken up about it. The problem, apparently, if we can believe Apple, which issued a press release, is that NBC wanted more money per download of its shows. Right now iTunes gets $1.99 if you want to download an episode of Heroes. And according to Apple, NBC wanted a price increase that would have resulted in consumers paying much more $4.99 per episode, even more perhaps. But you know what? What I think both iTunes and NBC are missing is BitTorrent. And I know that NBC can't be missing the fact that people can download programs, NBC shows, from NBC's own website. And like BitTorrent, that costs the consumer absolutely nothing. Nothing. So why would anyone want to pay $1.99, let alone $4.99, if you can get it for free? And in fact, you know, television began and still is for most people a free medium. You watch the television, you didn't have to pay per show. That's what advertising was all about. And I think most people still feel deep down, maybe even not that deep down, that television should be free. People don't like paying anything to watch an episode of a series that they missed. Maybe NBC understands that and is hoping that more people will come to its site and watch the shows rather than go to iTunes. But, of course, there's no guarantee that the viewers won't go to BitTorrent and any of the many other online outfits that give this material to the public pretty much free of charge. So we'll just have to see what happens. Well... ABC is up to its old tricks. You know what they've been doing with Ron Paul. I've been talking about that for weeks and writing about it, cropping his supporters out of pictures, forgetting to talk about him during discussions of how candidates did in the polls. And it turns out that now ABC, that same ABC, cropped Dennis Kucinich out of a photograph that was taken of the Democratic candidates. What is up with that network? 
how did they become so bad? ABC was the network that was in many ways on the cutting edge of news with Nightline, Ted Koppel, and now they seem little better than, I was going to say, like a high school newspaper, except that's insulting to high school newspapers because I'm sure high school newspapers would not have photographers who crop candidates out of photos. So ABC, wake up. You are forfeiting your position. You don't have a position of leadership anymore. You've not had that for a long time. But you're forfeiting your position as a medium to be taken at all seriously in the United States. Clean up your act. Report honorably. Report honestly. Stop cropping people out of photographs. And last but not least, let me just say again, some great television. You know, the summer used to be a time when you'd be lucky if you could catch a good rerun of something. But as I think I mentioned earlier, one of my fondest memories from the 1960s was seeing Coronet Blue back on CBS uh, with Frank Converse. It was a great show, a summer replacement, one of the best shows in the history of television, in my view. And now as the summer is ending, I have to say it's been a really fine summer, mainly because of cable. Big Love just finished last week on HBO. Weeds is now back on Showtime, Californication on Showtime, and also, as I've mentioned, Mad Men on AMC. So it's been a really great summer of television, and there should be some really great shows coming up in September. I'm especially looking forward to the return of Dexter. And that's the sweet music of our promo suite. That means we're coming to the end of this episode of Light On, Light Through. But coming up, you'll hear a great promo for Mike Thinks. MikeThinks.com, the savviest podcast in town. Go over and take a listen. You'll definitely enjoy it. Hey, and you're going to hear a promo for Sean Farrell's patio book of my first novel, The Silk Coat. And Sean has actually finished the patio book now. As a special treat, you'll hear an interview that Sean did with me. Actually, I don't know how much of a treat it is for you to hear more of my voice, but Sean did do a very good interview, and you can hear that now, as well as the complete patio book. You can get it on iTunes. You can get it on Sean's webpage. Just go over to lightonlightthrough.com, and you'll find a link for it. And you'll also hear a promo for the Punk Horror Podcast as well. Oh, and stop the podcast, Mama. We just got a last-minute promo in from my man Jake Cordova for his Just Not Right podcast. But there's a lot right with his podcast and the promo, so listen for that, too. So listen, it's been great talking to you. I look forward to talking to you next time. In the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy.
out the Mike Thinks podcast, www.mikethinks.com. News and current events with an opinion. The Mike Thinks podcast. It's the news you missed. www.mikethinks.com. The Locus Award-winning novel by Paul Levinson comes to life in this free podcast novel. Journey into the ancient world, witness the wonder of ages past, and join Phil D'Amato in a struggle against forces both ruthless and unseen. Visit www.thesilkcode.blogspot.com to learn more about the author and the novel. And subscribe today at patiobooks.com. Join the battle, witness the wonder, or forever be victim to the awe and power of the Silk Code. Phil D'Amato is ready. Are you? Punk Horror Podcast, coming to you every other week from Punk Horror Press, featuring The Punk and the Pastor, a movie review show featuring David Giannis and Stacey Campbell, and author Red Fiction, featuring the best in horror and punk fiction. Don't miss it. Subscribe now at www.punkhorror.com. You're listening to Just Not Right with Jake Cordova. Don't say I didn't warn you. How have you been? Now check it out, I just mowed the lawn. (laughs) And it sucked. And of course you look beautiful. I like your new look. You got some new clothes, did you? Are those old? They just look new on you. You just look good. No you don't. I do know. You're disgusting. How's that for the the flattery of the show? Did you like it? Did you enjoy hearing about that stuff? I'm looking in my Gmail for an email address. Uh, I mean a website, not an email address for you. Yesterday, a girl was chasing me because I pulled her hairnet and she fell and hurt her leg. And I don't know how to tell her I'm sorry. You know what I haven't said yet? Not right podcast.com. I, I love you. you not right podcast. And how amazing com. you are. I love you. Not and how much right better the world is for having com. you in it. I love you. Did you know that everybody you come into contact with, whether it's just, you know, a brief hello or a, a long conversation, you make a difference. You know, you really impact everybody's life in a good way. Whether you know it or not, people benefit from knowing you and they're happy to see you and they love you. You are loved by more people than admit to it.